Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Tuesday. John Katsimatidis here and. My God, I think we have enough news for the end of the week already. And, um, well, I guess we got to work for the rest of the week. Yeah, it is a crazy. By the way, New York is still such a mess Stay and we're going to be talking about Manhattan it. Protests everywhere, too. You, 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 you'll be stuck forever. And, uh, in the studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, common sense Democrat, and Craig Eaton, uh, from Brooklyn, a common sense Republican. And I don't know what I could say about credit. Uh, Curtis Sliwa, he's in uh, the studio with us. You mean you don't want to use the I, word I, common sense? I, I don't know if about common sense, but I, I'll use the word <laughs> he is a real New Yorker. <laughs> That's for sure. Hard, that a good, he hard, is a fighter, too. Hard he's hard a fighter. He's a fighter. I understand. Everybody's sitting down. There's some city council members that want to take down George Washington statue. Tell us about the city council members that want to take down George Washington statue. Well, they're part of the Cultural Council. There's Chi Osi. There's uh, Eric. What, 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 what districts are they from? Oh, he's Bed-Stuy. Bedford-Stuyvesant. Uh, Bedford-Stuy. Eric Dinowitz, he's from the Bronx, Northwest Bronx. Amanda Forius, uh, she's from Parkchester. Uh, Sandra Ong, she's from Flushing. Francisco Moya, he's from uh, Corona and Jackson Heights. Crystal Hudson, uh, who's from uh, Prospect Heights, Fort Greene. And Shanana Hanif, who is like a little AOC, is from Park Slope. Well, um, all our audience out there, these people want to take down George Washington's statue. This is New York. This is America. Who are you going to vote for? Real Americans or, or uh, you know? Yeah, and the fact that they had a meeting. They had a meeting. Hold on. But let's be clear. Let's let's set the record straight. This was a this was a hearing today in the Cultural Affairs Committee. We there was no vote. We do not know the people were just named how they're voting. All we're asking, all we're asking the people, the constituents, to say is get in touch with the council member and say this is a bad idea. We're overrun by crime. By migrants, the budget's and falling they want to apart. Take down George and, right. Washington statue? There's so yeah. much we need to worry about in this city Craig right Dennis. now. There's so much we have to worry about. Migrants, crime, education. They want to erase American history. This is disgraceful. Have yeah, and, and we think about it's all the things that it's are going disgrace. on. We yeah. have skyrocketing crime. You know yeah. that all too well, Curtis. You're on the front lines with the migrant issue. There are a million things well, I would be talking remember, about, and uh, this, this is what they're focusing this on. This same disgrace. full city council took a vo- vote to remove the historical statue of Thomas Jefferson out of council chambers that was there for over a century. Uh, and yet the most powerful Democratic club in the city is in Brooklyn, where I grew up, the Thomas yeah. Jefferson Club at 92nd Street and Conklin Avenue. So why do you have your most powerful Democratic club m- named in honor of really the father of our democracy? And yet you took the statue out of city council chambers at City Hall. It's ridiculous. And you know what? Uh, to me, where are their priorities? The where, fact where, they're where, even where, discussing it, shameful. Where, where's that uh, tidbit? We're mad as hell and we can't take it anymore. You know, you, you, I don't. Listen, there it is. As hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. 
Okay. Go Can go. I say one thing? I like John's rendition better. <laughs> <laughs> Have you gone by the Museum of Natural History and seen the naked steps where they took Teddy Roosevelt's statue down? There wouldn't be a Museum of Natural History. He was the first environmentalist if you didn't have Teddy Roosevelt. And it, he took his statue crazy. down. It is crazy. But this is history. You can't rewrite history. You can't just pretend the history didn't exist. I but mean, they want to. The but, but it's ridiculous. I mean, they want to erase everything that went backwards. You know what? Let's go forward. Let's fix what the problems we have in the city today and not worry about taking statues down. These people on this committee, we should call all our city council members and say, enough is enough. Call your council member. Tell them, strategize on the all problems right. and fix it. I agree. One thousand Stay on it. Stay on it and uh, protect George Washington. No, yeah. I have to. Columbus, George Washington. It's like almost Columbus. A, we got Angelo Vivolo protecting. Where, Columbus. where are our Where are our pigeons going to rest themselves? They need statues. Ah, very good point. Very now, good point, Curtis. Who's our thank first you. Uh, guest today? Well, I thought Curtis was, but our second one is Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz. We saw him last night. Yeah, and Alan he had, was the youngest guy in the room. Everybody else was older. That's true. And Alan, by the way, there is a great picture John just showed me that he took from the day at the event. Um, you know, Alan, I, I got to get your comments about all this craziness with Iran because there are thousands of people protesting right now outside the UN, a few blocks anyway, from our we studio. We just made some statements. We didn't, and people don't know what we're talking about. We were at Rabbi Schneier's dinner last night. He was celebrating the birthday of Henry Kissinger, who just turned 100. Uh, Rabbi Schneier is 92. And, and, and Dershowitz was the youngest guy in the room. By the way, uh, and, and the Henry Kissinger, who went to George Washington High School. Take his diploma away. That's right. George Washington <laughs> High School up in the Heights. Yep. Up in the yep. Heights. That's where he grew up, Washington and, Heights. And he's so it was sharp good as to as see that. you last night. You, I tell you, 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 you looked. Marvelous. He's younger than you. Marvelous. You look marvelous. He does, but I'll get to send you the picture after the show. It looks good of the two uh, of us. We'll post it. We'll post, known, post it on the WABC website. Uh, I've known Henry Kissinger since before he was uh, Henry Kissinger. When he was Professor Kissinger at Harvard, his son and my son were in the same class in uh, elementary school, and he's an amazing, amazing man. I was so thrilled to be able to join all of you wonderful people in in honoring him. But I have an idea about uh, changing names. You know, well, why don't we also change the name of Malcolm X Boulevard? I mean, there's a man who was a blatant anti-Semite, racist, anti-white person. And uh, his name is now being used by many young radicals um, to promote um, anti-Semitism and anti-white. Well, we can change it to Al Sharpton Boulevard. (laughs) That's supposed to be an improvement? (laughs) You have to have one standard, and it can't be to take things down. I don't mind putting plaques up. My preference is... Let's have a marketplace of ideas. Let's buy every statue. Let's have a website. And you can go on the website and see the good things the person did, the bad things the person did. You can indicate what you think of them, what they think of them. That's the American way. Whoops, I said the American way. Americus Vespucius, the man who, again, after whom the American continent is named, will probably also be wiped out, too, because he had some questionable things in his past, as did everybody who lived back. Abraham Lincoln wanted to send the newly emancipated African-Americans back to Africa because he didn't think they were intelligent enough to compete in America as free people. You know, 
the world has changed so dramatically. If you start looking at people's attitudes toward women, toward gay people, toward Catholics, uh, I have a poster in my house. The man who got the first Republican nomination for uh, president in um, 1856, four years before uh, Lincoln, was a man named Freeman. And the poster says, you can't elect him. He's a he's a Roman Catholic. My God, it's so un-American to have a Roman Catholic uh, president. Uh, moreover, they say he was born in Montreal. He wasn't. He was born in Virginia. But, you know, if you go back to history, there are no people who escape this kind of statutory destruction. Yeah, and that's so, for you know, sure. It's ridiculous. You know, and Professor you Dershowitz. I want to yeah. get you to, before we leave, I want to make sure that we get into some of this Israel stuff because there, there are thousands of people protesting outside the UN right now. The leader of Iran is, is speaking today, as you know, and we yeah. just cut a deal with Iran where we give them six billion dollars and yeah. the exchange of hostages. Uh, by the yeah. way, it just came out. I don't know if you saw. They're now banning the nuclear inspectors over there. Yeah. They just put that out. Who's, let me tell you who's not protesting Iran. And who's not protesting the head of the Palestinian Authority, who recently said that Hitler murdered Jewish babies because they were usurers. Let me tell you who's not protesting. Rabbi Bergdahl from uh, from the from the central synagogue, um, other rabbis, they're waiting until Friday to protest Israel. So you're going to have a bunch of conservative and reform rabbis protesting Israel in front of the United Nations. In front of the United Nations, this palace of hate, where they condemn Israel more than all the other countries in the world combined. And now you're going to have a bunch of American rabbis who are going to be protesting Israel, claiming it's about the judicial reform. They don't know anything about the judicial reform. It's very complicated. They're protesting Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm going to participate in a counter-protest. I have an article. You can get it right now online uh, in the Jerusalem Post today condemning the rabbis who are using the U.N. as a place to protest Israel. It's just outrageous that any person calling themselves a rabbi would do that because it's going to be used by Israel's enemies and the anti-Semites to delegitimate Israel. They're saying Israel's not a democracy. It's more democratic than almost any other country at the United Nations. And so what we're seeing is this horrible double standard. I understand that. I'm used to it. But for rabbis... Rabbi, Cos, Rabbi Cosgrove, a great man. Uh, Rabbi Berkdahl, a great woman. These are terrific. You said people. the same thing they about uh, Garland, the yeah, attorney but general. Be. But I like, I don't know Garland, but I know these two rabbis and I like them. But they should not be going to the UN and protesting there against Israel because that will be so badly used by the enemies not, of Israel. Alan. So if you belong to either of those synagogues, uh, the Central Synagogue or the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, write to your rabbi. Tell him, do not go to the United Nations and protest Israel in front of the United Nations as a rabbi. That's just dead wrong. Yeah, Alan, it's Richard Weinberg. You don't have to give UN any more ammunition to despise and hate and try to destroy Israel. No, I agree with you. But when rabbis join in that, I, you That's know, they right. to say, oh, we're only protesting judicial reform. I'd love to have one of them on your show to try to have him or her explain judicial reform. They have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Even I'm against the judicial reform, but even if it were all enacted, Israel would become like New Zealand, Switzerland, 
um, uh, Sweden and Great Britain. Um, but they would still have one of the strongest judiciaries in the world. But these rabbis have no idea what they're talking about. They're just protesting Netanyahu and protesting Israel. And a lot of their congregants support it. My wife was at Rosh Hashanah services. We're, we're, we're a divided family. I, I go to an Orthodox synagogue. My wife goes to a Reform synagogue. She goes to Central Synagogue. And the sermon, the sermon on Rosh Hashanah, where you're supposed to be talking about spirituality, is about how everybody should protest Israel's judicial reform. The most divisive issue. That's not what rabbis should be talking about. Well, keep us posted on the counter protest. Uh, Professor yeah, Alan yeah. Dershowitz, bravo. And great to see you last night, too. Definitely keep Likewise. us posted. Yeah. Thanks so much, Thank Professor. And, uh, you. yep. And now we've got a uh, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis joining and us. She's mad as heck, too. She sure is. Uh, Nicole, of course, the border issue. I don't know if you saw Biden's speech. He barely, he said it's a regional issue. I, I, the irony didn't escape me. He's speaking at the UN a few hours ago and the Roosevelt Hotel. We have Curtis Lee was still in the studio with us. Here's the intake center for the Roosevelt Hotel, like a few blocks away. Uh, and, and he doesn't even bring up basically the border, doesn't talk about the migrant crisis in New York, isn't meeting with Eric Adams like he was doing last time. Your thoughts about all of this, Nicole? Uh, by the way, Eric Adams was there last night at Rabbi Schneider's dinner, and he said to me, where's, uh, where's Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I, uh, you guys are, are great Americans, all of you, who are continuing to fight for what's right and actually just let the American people know what's actually going on out there. I mean, it's out of control. And here in Washington, we are trying to fight for border security. You know, the House passed H.R. 2, our border security bill in May. We're trying to use our leverage right now during this appropriations process to to tie Border security, government's responsibility is to protect the homeland. And right now we are seeing millions of individuals coming into our country. We are seeing uh, hundreds stopped uh, that are on the terror watch list. But there's another 1.7 million that have had zero interaction with Border Patrol or our government. We don't know who they are, where they are, where their intentions are. Um, and, and that is seriously concerning. The fentanyl that is killing Young people, Americans all across the country, a one-year-old boy died in the Bronx the other day. I mean, this is the fentanyl that's coming over the border and being trafficked by the drug cartels. We have a bail reform law that Kathleen Hochul won't fix that are releasing these dealers back into our streets. We have an open border that's allowing the drug cartels to continue doing this. Um, it's absolutely insanity. So Republicans are fighting to try to get the government to do its job, secure the border, and stop this madness. But you're right. The president's in New York City. You'd think he'd go and tour some of these facilities, particularly the one where there's already been dozens of arrests. Migrants are committing crimes, whether it's violence against each other, against police officers, robberies, um, disorderly conduct. Uh, 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 someone was stabbed the other day at the Roosevelt Hotel, by the way, just hours after AOC and her little group left there, saying that the, everybody in the building represented hope and opportunity, they said. Uh, and then somebody was stabbed there right after because... The truth is we don't know who's in these buildings. We don't know. We know that they're committing some crimes, obviously, if they've had dozens of arrests already at that facility alone. Um, so it's very frustrating to see that the mayor wants to continue doing this, misinterpret New York City's right to shelter law. I'll just add one more thing. In Staten Island, this is a disgrace what's happening. We, are, we saw senior citizens kicked out of an assisted uh, living facility by an organization called Homes for the Homeless. They were kicked out of the senior facility, 
And then now it's turning into a migrant shelter. The fact that the mayor cut a shady deal with Homes for the Homeless to turn Island Shores assisted living facility into a migrant shelter. And now those poor seniors have been just, you know, kicked to the curb, basically. They were sent to, like, nursing homes and other who knows where um, when they didn't want to leave. That is so horrible. And the mayor should be ashamed of himself for doing that. And then on top of it, using the taxpayer money that these seniors have paid their entire lives building our community to go do it. I mean, that was really, I think, a a true, just shows you exactly where the priorities of this mayor and the Democrats are. Nicole, this is Craig. Um, Just just to turn to Washington for a minute, this six billion and five um, people that were held hostage in exchange for five Americans. I mean, what is Washington thinking to give six billion dollars that's going to be unaccounted for to the biggest country of terrorism? Yeah, so the the president, unfortunately, has so much free reign to do these types of bad deals. Um, We we certainly, a majority of members of bipartisan have condemned this deal. I mean, it's just one more bad deal on behalf of this administration. It's it's six billion dollars to the state sponsor, the number one state sponsor of terrorism, Iran. Um, And Iran is threatening that they want to actually commit attacks on our own soil, as you know, an Iranian national was caught within the U.S. after they've made these threats, uh, and he was on the terror watch list as well. Um, so it is a concern, and I mean, you know, look, Republicans are doing what we can to try to stop this funding from happening, but unfortunately, the, the administration has too much uh, say in where this funding is going, what they can unfreeze. This was funding, funding is not American taxpayers, it's unfreezing yep. of Iranian assets, so it, they have a lot more discretion than if it were American tax dollars that were being sent. But nonetheless, there needs to be more of an outcry from everybody across the board to do this. I mean, think about this. I mean, it's just, it's just again, one bad deal after another from this administration. We can go back to the very first day when they entered the Paris Accord, not wanting China and India to play by the same rules, yep. Nord Stream 2 with Russia, all of it. So it's just one bad deal after another, which is why we need a new president next year. Time yeah. to go. Time it is to go. a mess. Go. It is a mess. Uh, Nicole Maliotakis, thank you so much. And keep up the fight. Uh, it shouldn't be a Republican issue or Democrat. It's a red, white, and blue. Let's go to a break right now. And when we come back, we have Hank Sheinkoff. Hank Sheinkoff to find out how the Democrats are feeling. And then we have the GOP chair from Iowa. Um, uh, who's going to be talking about everything How going on? How the Republicans are feeling. So we we got both sides, Democrats and Republicans. Just go to that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Of course, the political race heating up on both sides uh, we're going to talk to the GOP chair in Iowa in just a few minutes. But joining us now is Hank Sheinkoff, of course, great Democratic strategist uh, who's represented some of the best out there. Hank, we love you. And I want to get your take on where you think the race is headed on the Democratic side. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. And I love all of you, as you know, very much. Um, I think that uh, the Democrats are in real trouble. I think they're in a quandary. And if somebody who is a wealthy group of people were to put up some money and uh, work to take Joe Biden out, put somebody in their place, uh, 
in his place, well, I think they'd be pretty, they'd be pretty well welcomed. Well, Hank, me, me and you have been common sense Democrats for a long time. Give me some candidates that are common sense Democrats. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to vote for, I'm not going to do Newsom. I mean, San Francisco, you might as well throw the, the whole city away. Amy Klobuchar would be perfect. She's common sense. She's smart. She's right on foreign policy. She understands free market economics, and she understands the need to, to regulate business efficiently. That's the kind of person that we would want. She was good in the debates. Alice. Remember, in the yeah. primary debate, she did a great job. Is, She's terrific. Is Kennedy going to leave uh, the race? I don't know, but he, I don't know what, what is the status is of that campaign. I mean, for him, it's really four states, John and, and Rita. He's got to uh, compete in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada to be real. Um, South Carolina, particularly, if he comes within 10 points of Biden, it's a big win. Um, New Hampshire, because it's close to the Kennedy home state. Iowa, because of the caucuses in Nevada, because that would be living proof for everyone to see that the, the Latinos, particularly who work in the gaming and related industries, will vote for Kennedy or vote for anybody but Biden. But you know what's interesting, Hank? It's, the Democrats are clearly, the whole Democratic Party seems to be uh, trying to squash anybody but Biden, even though if you look at the polls, there was a poll that came out recently. It was like 70 percent of the Democrats don't even want Biden. And yet um, they're making a good they're blocking. No, no debates. No, this um, they they seem to be making sort of this this, you know, the party. I'm not talking about you, but the party. The party seems apparatus. To be, yes. The power structure has blocked anybody from being a real competitor. Well, that is really true. And I think that's entirely accurate. Look, both parties are in serious trouble. Like as a political scientist, I can tell you what the problems are. The Democrat Party, as opposed to the Republican Party, has its its uh, its constituencies are brittle. They don't really have anything in common. There's no reason for it to exist. It is um, it is hardly a party. And they're going to st- those who have who think there's a party are going to stick by Biden until the end and go down with the ship. The Republicans engage in blitzkrieg. The Democrats engage in zitzkrieg, and that's why the Republicans are much better political operation under much normal under normal circumstances. Hey, Hank, this is Craig Eaton. I agree with you 100. percent I think the problem is the Republicans have gone right of right, and the Democrats have gone left of left. We need some moderate. We need a moderate, some moderate candidates. But the question I have for you is this $6 billion and five person exchange for five Americans. I mean, even the Democratic Party, even the Democratic people have to understand that that's suicide here. We are now, we are now sending $6 billion to the largest terrorist state. Yeah, but Dem- and, Democrats will tell you, I gotta tell you, yeah, stick up yeah. for that it's their money. We're just releasing their money. But but they're going to use well, it against us. Yeah, they're going to use it for whatever. Well, they announced that already. Right? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had the but, leader of Iran saying we're going to do whatever we want. But with Lincoln uh-huh. said Lincoln on said September he's going 11. to. Yeah, on September 11th. Yeah, great but, point. But John. Lincoln said that he's going to control where the money goes, and they have a good good overview of where the money's going to be spent. Money is fungible. I don't buy that. Money's I don't fungible. buy that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, ridiculous. it's shameful. It, it really is, shameful. is. It is. And and I and the latest I was just talking about also, Hank. They're kicking out the inspectors today. So that they're like blatant. Thumbing their nose. Yep. Hank Scheinkoff? Oh, Hank Schein- oh, we lost Hank on that one. Did we upset him? Wait, we don't hear him. <laughs> Hank, Hank, Hank there. there. <laughs> we lost Hank. I guess he's speechless. <laughs> hey, pay your phone bill, Hank. <laughs> oh, well, let's go on to our next guest then. He's coming up in just a second. Uh, we're going to be talking in just a moment to the, the GOP chair well, of why Iowa. Why do we do that? Uh, we, we have one more break to go. Let's break again, and then we'll come back with the, I, the Iowa GOP chairman. 
You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back on Katz and Cosby. We've been talking, of course, about the Iranians, the president of Iran, speaking today at the U.N., and lots of huge protests outside. And one of the leaders of the movement against the leader, the regime, I should say, in Iran, certainly someone who's supportive of the people there, is our next guest, Alareza Jafarzada. He is the deputy director of the National Council of Resistance of Iran, the U.S. representative. I want to get your take, uh, Alareza. I know you're right in the thick of the protest, so fill us in on the protest today. Uh, thank you so much, Rita. As you correctly said, um, there were several thousand Iranian Americans who had come from all over the United States, from over 40 states. Um, they were all really fired up. They filled the entire um, Doug Hammershaw Plaza, which is right in front of the United Nations. They were chanting all throughout the time. They were great speakers. The whole message of the rally was that um, Ibrahim Raisi does not belong to the United Nations. He is a murderer. He should be put on trial. He should have been brought here uh, for uh, being prosecuted for crimes against humanity. They also um, had this message that giving $6 billion to the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism and a mass murder of 30,000 political prisoners uh, in 1988 uh, is not only uh, shameful, but it's very counterproductive because Iran does have an alternative, uh, an organized force, an organized resistance that have been fighting for democracy and human rights in Iran for the past 40 years. You know, uh, and Alareza, let me ask you, too, about uh, the, the deal, because everyone's been talking um, about this ungodly deal, this horrible deal, uh, when you think about it, uh, that they, the hostage exchange for the $6 billion that are getting unfrozen. Now we're also hearing they're kicking out some of the nuclear inspectors. I want everybody to know you were the guy who broke the scoop around the world, exposing some of the nuclear sites in Iran. Uh, what do you say? They're thumbing their nose. Absolutely, uh, Rita. You know, this is a regime that is cornerstone is based on terrorism, uh, hostage taking, blackmail uh, outside of Iran and killing its own citizens inside Iran. So when you deal with this regime, uh, unless you deal from the uh, position of strength, you deal with them with decisiveness and firmness. Otherwise, you will always be the loser, no matter what the nature of that deals. They will always pull the trigger on you and you will end up the loser. Uh, and look at, you mentioned the nuclear issue. The Iran regime is just like, you know, thumbing its nose, defying everything, enriching uranium to way beyond the uh, peaceful uh, level. Uh, and then at the same time, they, they kick the uh, inspectors out of Iran. And then at the same time, uh, they, there is no really remedy for it. Uh, they don't even pass a resolution at the Board of Governors of the International Atomic Energy Agency against the regime because they were afraid that the regime will do worse. Uh, they release, you release, um, you know, $6 billion of fund in order to get some of the hostages, which should have, shouldn't have been even arrested to begin with, should have been released long ago if they were pressed and, you know, pushed for it. Uh, but now, you know, you give them $6 billion, you put a price tag on the head of those hostages. The next time... Uh, they're going to take more hostages. That's what the regime has been doing for, you know, 
decades. Um, that's and, and I'll raise, there. and I'll raise a hold on. We have a real quick question from Judge Richard Weinberg. Well, and what's particularly troubling, I want your thoughts on this, is there are open contracts against former government officials, including the Secretary of State, the National Security Advisor, members of Congress who opposed Iran here. Well, pre- right, including our friend John Bolton. John Bolton. There's an open contract by the Iranians. And Congressman Peter King. Yeah, and, Pompeo, and, I believe, And Secretary of State Pompeo. Yes. These are serious things. How can we legitimize these people? And to their own shame, the Council of Foreign Relations of the United States is allowing him to come in to speak. That should be protested as well. What say you? And Alarisa, we just have about 30 seconds real quick. Well, 30 seconds, as you know, they're, they're, they're right. Um, you know, with, with this with this regime, there's only and only and only one way to deal with. You need to hold them accountable. You need to punish them. You need to, to squeeze them. The rest is actually um, our responsibility, the people of Iran, to overthrow the regime. Remember, no matter what you do at the end of the day, so long as the mullahs are in power, these things are going to continue. Um, so... The real solution is a free Iran, a democratic Iran, after the overthrow of the Ayatollahs. Bravo, bravo, bravo. All they need to do is just, uh, you know, press the regime, allow the people to have the room to maneuver to overthrow the regime. All right, Alareza, we're coming up here, unfortunately, on our break. Thank you so much for coming in. But Alareza, bravo to you and keep up the good fight for freedom. Let's go to Iowa now. Yep, absolutely. We have now back with us uh, Jeff Kaufman we got. He is the GOP chair there in Iowa. Uh, by Jeff, the way, by the way, yeah. Jeff Kaufman, my daughter t- today got reelected vice chairman of New York New York State GOP. Yay! Oh, that's terrific. Oh, bravo, bravo, bravo! And she likes and she loves Iowa. Well, she's an outstanding young lady. I really, I really enjoyed getting to know her and and look forward to uh, visiting with. With her, you, and your entire family, thanks for all you do out there on the East Coast. By the way, you're going to have a Dynamo team with her continuing. I'm telling you, that is a home run. Uh, Andrea Katsimatidis is, is top-notch and top of the top. Uh, Jeff, uh, give us the lowdown on what's going on in Iowa, because, of course, all eyes on Iowa. We were just talking with Democratic strategist Hank Shankoff a little bit ago, um, who's so sharp, and he was talking about sort of the, the trail, obviously, all roads lead to Iowa. Um, where do you see things going and where are the new polls headed there? Sure. I mean, it's just absolute enthusiasm and energy out here. I, it, this is absolutely every bit as, as, uh, enthusiastic, every bit as active as 2016 was. And, uh, our polls, uh, out here still, I mean, they have the president, uh, the former president, uh, at the, you know, have a pretty commanding lead. He'll actually be coming to a little town of, called Maquoketa, Iowa, in eastern Iowa tomorrow. And I'm expecting he will have a very large crowd there. Ron DeSantis is traveling throughout the entire state. I believe Vivek was uh, was in uh, eastern Iowa today. Nikki Haley, uh, Tim Scott. I'm getting getting mail from, from Doug Burgum about every other day. I mean, it is just, it's just nonstop out here. And, and you know, the, the one thing I would say is, is, uh, regardless of who wins out here, Iowa's not expected to pick, uh, the next president. We're expected to kick the tires for the rest of the country. And I hope we're doing that and we're doing it in a neutral way in terms of the party. But it's, it's just, it's, it's just the, the energy level. And even among the candidates that aren't registering over one or two percent, 
they are active. They're everywhere. It's it's a pretty amazing phenomenon here. It's, it's exciting. Well, you know, it's it's great that you do that. There. I mean, in fact, I was I was in Iowa. I was in Omaha, Nebraska. My son graduated Creighton Medical School, and I walked over that bridge into Iowa just a couple of months ago. So I love your state, and uh, we spent a lot of time there over the last few years. But it's very good. You guys get to kick the tires, so you let the rest of the country know what's happening with all of these Republican candidates. Absolutely. We're just so excited. And, you know, that's juxtaposed uh, to the Democratic Party, who, uh, you know, they're they're just completely ignoring uh, Robert Kennedy and and Marianne Williamson. We've let that when we had our Lincoln dinner, we allowed people to speak and participate that were at one percent even. I mean, we're we are we are basically a window into the political world right now. And I, I just couldn't be more proud to be heading up. A, uh, the, the party out here in Iowa at this point. It's great to talk to you when, folks. When I, is the caucuses? I, I got, I got 11 people in the studio here saying, when are the caucuses? Oh, uh, the caucuses are January 15th, and it uh, would be at 7 o'clock at night. We are already preparing. Uh, unlike uh, primary states, I have to raise every dime of those uh, dollars in order to put on a caucus because it's a party function. So uh, that's also a party building exercise. I want I I want to personally invite anybody on your show. If I if I come out there, even though I'm not an Iowa resident, can I participate? Uh, you cannot participate. <laughs> uh, they, I, I may, you might be able to if you're a registered Democrat. I was about to say that, Jeff. <laughs> if, I re- if I was a registered Democrat, I could, I could vote three times at least. At least. There Whether you're you alive or dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, w- I would love to have somebody from New York come out here and show you what our caucuses are all about. That is a standing invitation to one of my favorite uh, Eastern United States shows. We should consider that, John. We should consider let's going. Go. We'll well, let's go. Let's yeah. go. out. January fifteenth. I got it in my calendar already. Jim. Right. We are ready. It's going to be a hot one. Thank you so one. much, Jeff. Thank and, you. And we look forward to talking to you often to find out what the heck is going on. When I hear you're calling and want me on, I'm on. <laughs> wow, you. we like those. We like that kind of answer. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff, very much. And joining us now is Peter Navarro. He served in the Trump administration. He was assistant director, uh, assistant to the president, director of trade and manufacturing. And, of course, right there on the front lines of so many issues with trade. Peter, we want to get your take. First off, you wrote a really powerful article about the UAW and how uh, the strike that's going on now, that could cripple uh, the country economically how it would have been handled a lot different uh, if it was a different president. A- explain. Four years, just about four years ago to the day, uh, the UAW strike against GM was going on uh, more than 30 days. Um, I was working at the White House, as you know. Uh, the boss, President Trump, was, was very concerned about the economic impacts, uh, gave me the green light to see what I could do. And within 48 hours, uh, I was able to act as a mediator and get that strike solved uh, to the benefit of both parties. Both sides were very happy with that. Now, the reason why I, I mentioned that is that is that if Trump were in office, this wouldn't be happening. But the reason is more complex. Right now, Biden economics is going to make it almost impossible for the UAW and the auto workers to come to a deal. And for the following reason, uh, Biden, with his Green New Deal and all that stuff, has basically 
shipped off much of our electric vehicle production to China. And the biggest enemy over there is Tesla, by the way. Elon Musk, biggest Tesla factory in the world in Shanghai, is going to inundate us with uh, with exports into the U.S. It's going to devastate Ford GM. So what the point is that from the automaker's viewpoint, uh, even though they've been making good profits, going forward, they're going to get crushed. So they don't have a lot of money uh, to hang around. And then for the auto workers themselves, hey, they can ask for a you know, 36% wage hike over four years. But if there's 40% inflation, uh, they're going to lose. So what they're demanding, watch this very carefully. The most important thing they're going to argue about is a COLA, cost of living adjustment. They lost that in 2007 um, in an era of virtually no inflation. Um, if they don't get it back, they run the risk of just getting hammered by the Biden uh, inflation, which is really, really digging in. So, and, and by the way, Peter, Peter, also, I want to bring yeah. up a point. Um, John brought this up, John Katzimatidis. You made a great point, John, that if the auto workers, uh, the, the the industry wasn't like imposed on all these green energy deals and right. uh, EVs and all Ford, that. Ford is losing $4.5 billion every 13 weeks just on EVs. General Motors is not reporting the exact numbers, but they think it's between three and four billion dollars. You know, if these, if the White House didn't force these cars to go into electric vehicles, maybe they'd have some extra money to pay these United Auto Workers. This is going to cost people jobs too. Understand that EVs are going to cost United Auto Workers jobs. How do they and reconcile themselves the, with that? If I may, guys, it's a subtle point, but please understand, an EV is not a, a combustion engine car. And a lot of the good jobs for the UAW came from making engines and the things that go along with the combustion engine. And those are gone. We've basically sent that to communist China. They've got the competitive advantage with their slave labor and their pollution havens in what the engine is, which is the friggin' battery, which is about 30% of the entire cost of the car. And it, they just, Biden doesn't think through any of this. Never would have happened under Donald Trump. Like I say, four years ago, I solved this in 48 hours on behalf of By the of way, boss. today I understand possible. that the uh, government gave a Chinese battery company $10 billion to the Chinese as a yep. gift. Wait, yep. who did that? Yep. Who did that, John? Our government. The White oh, House. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you read the, the not-so-fine print in these friggin' uh, mega bills that are crushing this country that Biden signed on the Green New Deal. And it just, it's a lot of taxpayer subsidies that's, that are siphoned off to communist China. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, this is the last stand of the auto industry. And, and it's just, I mean, this debt limit thing's coming up. And, and one of the, I mean, if we don't make a stand there and get some rollbacks on some of this insanity, um, this is just the beginning of what's going to be a long kind of 70s style era of pain. And everybody, we're talking to Peter Navarro, who is, of course, assistant now, to who, President Trump. Who, uh, what do you feel about the uh, justice system, Peter Navarro? I understand. <laughs> I understand you're getting screwed too. <laughs> the finest working railroad in DC is that is that the comment? Look, um, I got another piece out just hot off the press in um, the Washington Times right now, and on my Substack, PeterNavarro.substack.com. 
is basically lessons that I learned having just gotten convicted. Check this out. I was charged for a crime, alleged crime, that no senior White House advisor in the entire history of our republic has ever been charged with. And for good reason, the Department of Justice, or injustice as the president, I like to call it, has had a more than 50-year policy done that senior White House advisors and alter egos of the president, like me, absolutely cannot be compelled to testify before Congress and therefore can't be held in contempt. And, and they, you know, look, they, they're coming after me, Trump, Giuliani, Clark, Eastman, everybody I serve with in the White House, and you and I and the American people know what this is about. It's about election interference. It's about keeping Trump off the ballot or out of the White House, in, 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 off the ballot in 2024, out of the White House in 25, and keeping people like me, senior advisors, who, by the way, created hundreds of thousands of jobs with the boss and saved millions of lives during the pandemic and solved an auto strike, keeping us on the sidelines and maybe in prison. I'm facing a prison term for a, for a, for a, a crime that isn't a crime, according to the just Department of Justice policy. So am I happy about that? Do I think we've got a good system of justice? No, we don't. It's, it's a I understand there was another article that things are starting to cool in between the Attorney General's office and, and the White House. Have you heard that? Well, sure. I mean, but that's all about the DOJ going after uh, the, the prodigal son there. But and by the way, I would be remiss in not asking the people of WABC, defendpeter.com, defendpeter.com. This has already cost me over a half a million dollars. That's the other thing. It's lawfare. Wow. They try to they bankrupt half, over half a million dollars. And this is going to appeal. I've got a beautiful chance for an appeal. Uh, and it's a historic case. The question, here's the question, the constitutional separation of powers question. Can a partisan legislative branch compel senior White House advisors and alter egos of the president to testify before Congress? And going back to George Washington, the all answer has always been no. But if my conviction holds, that's going to flip. And the reason why the separation of powers is important, as the Supreme Court has opined repeatedly, is it creates efficient, effective decision-making in the White House. All right. Well, so I'm, I'm like the test case here. I, all right. Well, we're we're going to test you. We're going to get you on again real soon. Yeah, you got to come back take, on again soon, we got to take a hard break right I now. Miss you guys, Johnny Well, Jack. we miss you. We, we're here gotta for come you. Back on. Let's take that hard break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, let's go for a quick update to former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer. Ari, uh, the president today talked about climate change, uh, barely hit on the border. Your thoughts of where things are headed? Oh, boy. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I'm trying to think big picture for what's going to happen. And I think there's no way Joe Biden, if he's still a candidate, is going to debate. I just can't imagine the president who we all see every day, who shuffles his feet, has such a difficult time. How can his handlers let him stay on the stage for an hour and a half in a spontaneous event? It's not happening. Yeah. Do do you do you think he's going to stay, as you just said, even in the race? I mean, some of these new polls and today it was like. It was painful. I, I feel like I had to take maybe five cups of coffee to stay awake during his speech. It was painful. 
you, you can feel the pressure mounting, can't you, from Democratic allies about Joe Biden and whether or not they'd be better off if he wasn't a candidate. And I think Biden got bought extra time because they, the Democrats did better than they thought in the midterm elections. But that extra time is starting to really narrow on him. Uh, you know, I, I'm not convinced that he's going to run. I can see him pulling out right before the Democratic convention and saying it's party time for a new generation, handing it to Kamala Harris. And Republicans will dance because that means it's highly likely we win the White House. And Ari, do you have 15 seconds or just have a uh, quick Ari, question Craig from Craig? Eaton. I think they put him back in the basement in Delaware like they did on the first race. That's what I think. Uh, uh, that's why I say he won't yeah, debate. I, I agree with it's you. I, be, I, he, he, won't debate. he won't debate. He won't debate. He can't win. He'll use the excuse that Trump didn't debate. So why should he He'll debate? get destroyed. Ari, thank you so much for joining us. We love you. You've got to come back on again soon, my friend. Love to. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ari, so much. Yeah, you know, how is he going to debate, you he guys? I mean, there's no way. He doesn't way. have the mental acuity to debate. That's 100%. Can't do it. What do you think, Judge? What are your thoughts? You're he kind has, of contemplating. I see I, it. He goes into the basement. Goes into the basement. And they keep in the basement, and they have prepackaged ads, and they're, that's what they use. They're renovating the basement. That's why he couldn't go to Delaware. <laughs> but no, a couple of weeks ago, he made this big speech about he. He couldn't go to Delaware. That's why he went to Rehoboth Beach. Look, I, I wish him good health, but yeah. uh, I think the, the the country needs a new leader. We need a change. We yeah. need a change. Yeah. Yeah. The real question is how to get Harris out of here. Yeah, that well, Michelle Obama, maybe. That's, that, that's an, the rumor. That's not an improvement. That is not an improvement. You know, here it is today, and I, I, I want to bring it back to today with Iran, too, and, and everything with the U.N. Here he is today, and he's speaking. There you are at the U.N., and he's like, well, you know, kind of acquiescing to China. The Chinese president didn't come. The prime min- the foreign minister, nobody really was there from China. Uh, Putin wasn't there today. Not that I want to see him on U.S. soil. I would love to see him behind bars in U.S. soil. That's a whole other matter. But, I mean, it just seems like it was so lackluster. It's it's really disconcerting, and it, and it fits the whole leadership tone. And where is the outrage? He just gave the $6 billion. They said, too bad, we're pulling out nuclear. And the $10 billion to yeah, China they, we just yes. heard about. So, you know what I mean? He's he's basically bankrolling China, bankrolling the Iran terrorists against us. It is shameful. It is. It is. Judge, what are your thoughts? This is crazy. My, my thoughts are we were in serious trouble until there was a change of uh, leadership yep. in this country. Yep. It is scary. And, and, you know, I saw John Kirby today. He's, of course, uh, national security, one of the head folks at national security. And he comes out at the White House often. He was asked about, okay, well, they're pulling out the nuclear inspectors. If Iran does anything, we can stop the money. So, okay, they're pulling out uh, a huge part of the nuclear inspectors. Will they stop the money? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Are you kidding me? Where are your, what's, what's the word, cojones? Come well, listen, on. Listen, I've said often about Admiral Kirby, a lovely man. But they don't pay him enough for doing what he does. <laughs> That's a very diplomatic answer, Craig. Yeah, I just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's ridiculous with, with this Iran thing. And and where is it going to end? What, what's the fallout going to be from that? That's the question. We're not going to know. But oh, yes, something's will. out there. They'll grab a few more people yeah. and they need some more money. Like John had said a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's not a matter of if we get attacked again. It's a matter of when. And now we've just followed yeah, I, them. I think we're down to when. And, and not now, no, no, no. Isn't no, no, that sad? No, no. I agree. said that a couple of weeks ago. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And now we've just given them $6 billion. So you know what? It is scary. All the terrorists have come in. You know, for $6 billion, they can buy nukes from North Korea. But what yeah, about all the migrants scary. that are in here now that haven't been, you know, vetted and the terrorists are coming across the border? 
it is it is a, a dangerous, dangerous situation. And I don't, I don't want to make it worse for you, Craig, yeah. but uh, the numbers that just came out recently, we may have an all-time high. Yeah. They're saying now nine to 10,000 a day are crossing our border. Yeah. Nine to yeah. 10,000 a day. That's huge. Well, guys, I want to say thank you for coming in today. And boy, we delivered a lot of news to our, to our public and to our listeners. And, and God bless everybody. And uh, I'm worried, worried about our country. Worried about our city. We got fifty-one city council seats uh, going. Absolutely. And uh, let's pray a lot because we need to pray. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America.